into the It is Tuesday, the 24th of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host who loves music, Shane Lee. And Shane, can you believe it? Today, the 24th of May, is the great Bob Dylan's 81st birthday. Wow, it's also my mother's birthday today. So happy birthday. Oh, happy birth- that's more important. Happy birthday, Helen Lee. But yes, can you believe he's 81? Look, possibly the greatest poet um, of our generation, Tim, but... I saw the guy live. It's like two cats having a root on a hot tin roof. It was a terrible <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah, and so, my friend. Well, a very happy birthday to your mum today, most importantly, yes. of course. No doubt would have listened to a bit of that music when she was a little younger, I'm sure. <laughs> now, uh, we have all the latest in the soccer, of course. We, we mentioned it yesterday, but that Manchester City win in that final 14 minutes, extraordinary. What do Liverpool do next? Do they drive forward for some European success after the season that they've had. We also look at Ariane Titmus. She just gets better and better. And what about this comeback story in the NRL? John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. You can see where uh, Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola is coming from when he said these guys are absolute legends. That's four premierships in the space of five years, EPLs for Manchester City. We spoke about the extraordinary uh, finish yesterday, didn't we, on the podcast, Shane, where they had 14 minutes to go. They were down 2-0. They ended up winning 3-2. Across town or across the country in Liverpool, uh, they thought there for a moment that they had won it because it was so close. They just fell short. But, um, yeah, that that is extraordinary. And, and Pep Guardiola comparing this era to the great Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. Yeah, big time, mate. Guardiola, uh, as you said, mate, four Premiership League titles in the last five years. He's won 11 um, titles in the six years he's been in England. And uh, when he says these guys are legends, I think he's putting himself in that, in that basket as well. And and you and you and you, right. and you can't deny him either. But uh, yeah, to even um, compare a team uh, against Sir Alec Ferguson's Man United is a big call. But I tell you what, he's getting up there. Got a bit ugly too towards the end, didn't it? The Aston Villa goalkeeper Robin Olsen assaulted by pitch invading fans. It just like it. They do always just walk and step over the edge, don't they? Um, Fans of the game, yeah. And look, I've been to Premier League games in the past, and particularly back in the um, like early nineties, uh, you used to fear for your life, and they, they started to segregate the crowds over there. But it's really, really scary. Look, now the police are looking into this. Um, Man, Man City have issued an apology straight away, and they said that security and the police are straight onto this, and they'll find this guy and he'll have a life ban. But I think anyone that assaults a player on the field should go to jail. It should be a twenty-year term in jail. Well, the punishment certainly should be harder, shouldn't it? Because we're seeing people jumping fences all over the place in sport right around the world. And there was a crackdown there for a while with 
massive fines. So yeah, it's a problem. They need to they need to address it. Now Liverpool, they have been the two standout teams, haven't they? Man City and Liverpool, and they just fell short, of course, of winning the EPL. But they've had a remarkable season with a couple of titles, and now they're off to play Real Madrid next weekend for the Champions League, the European. Um, champion, so that 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 may just motivate them. That's exactly what their coach is saying. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp's saying that. Well, they have no options now, do they? Um, they can't win the quadruple, but they can still win the treble. And uh, yeah, a big big game for them. They're playing in Paris against Real Madrid. Um, I think Liverpool probably go into this game favourite. I, I I just think that uh, this sort of loss is going to really really spur them on, and I think they'll beat Real Madrid, which is a big ask. Probably the, the most famous football team in the world. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm tipping Liverpool to get the job done there. All right, he's got his crystal ball out already this yep. Tuesday yep. morning, Shane Lee. Now, turning to cricket, and uh, it's an interesting one. Jackson Warne, of course, uh, Shane's son, God rest his soul, um, at turning 23, and, of course, what a number, because that's the number that his father wore and was so synonymous with through his cricketing career. Yeah, it's just blow after blow for poor Jackson. I feel for this kid. He's now he came out on on Warnie's documentary and he sort of said, you know, Dad, whilst he he was a good dad, he, he wasn't really there and he's more into his cricket. So I really felt for him there. He then turns twenty three, which is his dad's favourite number. Dad had a number twenty three in the bottom of his swimming pool at home. He uh, he wore that in the one day um, arena. You know, he loved Michael Jordan, and I just feel that Jackson would have known that Warnie would have really given him an unbelievable twenty third birthday and. The fact that the first one he's not there it turns it turns out to be his twenty third. It's um I really feel sad for Jackson. Yeah, well, it's been. I had a chat with Mike Whitney yesterday at a function, and we we uh, we spoke about this the, the year and maybe the last I don't know year and a half with Dean mm. Jones and so many others and older cricketers, of course. But you yep. can accept that, can't you, with people like Alan Davidson? But but Andrew Simons is uh, it's impossible to digest, and there'll be a a ceremony with plenty of his. Um, former teammates uh, later in the week. Yeah, farewell up uh, in a public farewell in Townsville, uh, followed by a private service. And, um, yeah, guys like Adam Gilchrist will go up there and speak. And, and a lot of his really good teammates, um, Jimmy Ma, um, Matty Mott, th- these guys are, and, and Matty Hayden won't be there because I think he's over in, in the IPL. Um, but, yeah, I reached out to these guys just by text message this week and left a message and said, hope they're okay because they were a very, very tight bunch of Queensland cricketers and uh, they'll be hurting at the moment. Yeah, farewell Roy. Uh, what what a player at the tender age of 46, of course. Now, heading to the pool, Ariane Titmus, we saw at the last Olympic Games, she became the absolute queen of the pool and she's broken Katie Ledecky's 400 metre freestyle world record at the Australian Swimming Championships and I think everyone's starting to think about the next Olympics for Ariane Titmus. She looks good. This is the first big first swim back, and she's broken the world record. Um, she's very humble too, isn't she? She said that Ledecky is still the greatest female swimmer of all time, in her opinion. But her three minute fifty six seconds point four zero beat Ledecky's world record by only point oh six of a second. But it's still a world record. She's the fastest woman over four hundred meters, and she did it at the Australian Championship. So congratulations to Ariane Titmus. Oh, she's phenomenal, isn't she? Yep. And what about Justin Thomas on the golf course? He started the final round of the PGA Championship seven shots back. Mm. And the way that he won it into a playoff to beat Will Zalatoris, um, just extraordinary performance from Justin Thomas. That's his second PGA Championship. 
it did help that uh, Mito Pereira's uh, imploded, <laughs> so that that helped him as well. But yeah, it turned out that uh, a birdie on the par four seventeenth was enough to seal his second PGA Championship. He of course won back in two thousand and eight. Um, so yeah, he's a two time PGA winner now. So he'd be very very pre- pleased with this win. Yeah, absolutely. What a comeback! Starting seven shots, you wouldn't even think that you're in the in the hunt. But he walks no. away with the silverware. Stay with us because we'll be talking NRL, AFL, and much more. All right, let's look at the AFL and uh, Sydney star Josh Kennedy set to miss eight to ten weeks with a serious hamstring injury. Everything was ticking along beautifully for the Swans, but the last month or so has been a real wobble. Josh Kennedy has been an absolute uh, real leader in this Swans team, and this is, would have been his last season. Um, there was doubts whether he was going to play another season, but the 289-game veteran uh, has done a serious, serious tendon um, hamstring injury. Um, it tears his tendon, so he's going to be out for minimum eight to ten weeks. So you'd have to say that, if the Swans, and they were expecting to make the finals, if they do, um, he's going to struggle to get back in time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Now, Rugby League, plenty of talk, and this, this is a consistently spoken about subject, uh, concussion and a bit of drama around Souths. Yeah, well, the NRL um, have had some real questions, and particularly from Jason Demetrio, the Souths coach, who said that, um, Tane Milne wasn't actually even concussed when, when he was sent off um, to the HIA. Um, but the NRL have come back and rebuked these comments and basically said that, look, they reviewed the footage. His head hit the ground really hard and they're taking this seriously. And um, and I think it's the right approach from the NRL because if it's deemed to be a serious head injury, it can't come down to personal opinion or, you know, I feel like okay, I'll go back on. That's the reason why these guys are having issues post-career. So I think the NRL are on the right track there. Oh, absolutely. And look, it wasn't the fact that whether he was concussed or not that lost them that game. They were no. they were not in that game at all. So, uh, but but I reckon you've got to err on the side of caution. I mean, there's 100%. too much evidence, particularly of ex-players who have been yep. affected. So, uh, you know, if you don't take it seriously enough, um, I, I don't know why he would come out on that subject, to be honest with you, um, because uh, South Sydney have got bigger problems than that. But what about over at the West Tigers, Fa'amanu Brown, has come back after three years out with a foot injury. Talk about a comeback story. And I was at this game against the Bulldogs, and he played brilliantly well um, to, to help the Tigers get another victory. And they haven't had a lot this year, but uh, three years out with a leg injury. Doctors were saying, you'll never come back. Uh, pretty good performance, Shane. Yeah, I love this story. It reminds me of my brother, Brett, where he was uh, broke his back at the age of 18 and, and doctors said to him he'll never uh, well, he'll struggle to walk properly in future life, let alone be a fast bowler, and he proved mm. them wrong. Well, this happened with Fayamana Brown, and he's basically told by five doctors with his foot injury that he was never going to play NRL again. Well, he went off to Featherstone in England, yeah. um, played a good season over there, came back and played reserve grade for the Bears here, and then got a call up against the Bulldogs and scored two tries. And it's, um Really, really good story about a guy who didn't believe the you know the doubters, and um, and he said at times he thought he was never going to make it back, but he just stuck with his beliefs and, and he got there. And uh, it's a good 
positive story. Yeah, good story for young people as well about never giving up. So well done to him. Uh, in the Formula One fans, uh, look, this was this was ridiculous, wasn't it? I know that we haven't had crowds for such a long, long time in the last six months that everyone's back, but uh, just absolutely packed Formula One race in Spain and it, it turned into chaos. Yeah, it has. Well, they weren't ready for it. Uh, with COVID the last two years, they sort of had about 20, 30% crowds. Well, 300,000 mm. people showed up wow. and yeah. the, the event managers weren't ready for, for the masses of crowds. So, yeah, it's been chaos over there. Yeah, unbelievable. And what about this flying Kiwi, Scott Dixon? They always punch above their weight, I think, in all sports, as much as we want to beat them in the Bledisloe, New Zealand. Uh, they, they, you know, you, you watch the Olympic Games and you look at their population and you see what they do in sailing and other sports, but... Scott Dixon has set a new pole speed record at the Indianapolis 500. He has uh, 376 kilometres per hour, fastest lap. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So um, Scott, Scott Dixon, and um, I've only really been started to follow Indy 500 since we're doing this program, Tim. So mm. I had no idea that he was a five-time fastest qualifier and he won back in 2008. So he's, he's no mug, that's for sure. But 376 kilometres per hour. Imagine that going around a... You wouldn't have many points left if you were doing it on the freeway. That's for sure. <laughs> now, uh, look, I think anyone in the future sitting around Mike Tyson on a plane might just keep in their seats and have their chicken or fish and not disturb Iron Mike. But he's come out and he's, he's said why he uh, punched that bloke. Well, the guy threw a water bottle at him. He got a photo with him first and he said, my wife, <laughs> I won't do a Mike Tyson accent with a lift like that, but he said his wife uh, doesn't even listening. like him. Fly, that's in case he's listening, yeah. His wife doesn't even want him flying public on public planes and uh, he's obviously still a little bit punchy, Iron Mike, but uh, police have dropped the charges because he was provoked. So uh, don't provoke Iron Mike as though <laughs> you might get flogged on an aeroplane. There you go. Yeah, and look, and, and watching the vision, you could see this bloke. He just wouldn't give up, would he? And uh, like he just kept coming at him. So, uh, you know, <laughs> poke the tiger. Uh, all right. Now, we mentioned that it is Bob Dylan's 81st birthday today, but uh, you've got uh, a little finishing story about a cricketer who also loves music, probably had an elevated view of his own singing ability at times, I think. But, um, it's a funny story. He definitely did. Michael Slater uh, was in love with John Bon Jovi. And when I say in love, he was literally in love with him. And to the point where he got a, a replica Superman tattoo on his left arm, like Bon Jovi. And the boys got to go backstage um, at a concert and actually meet the band. And Slats said for the first time in his life he could he could understand why these kids would come up to him, these cricket-loving kids who'd come up and say, Mr. Slater with these, with these glossy eyes, can I please have your autograph? And he said he was now that, that kid who was going up to his idol in Bon Jovi. And he sort of pushed through security, and as he sort of lifted up his sleeve to show Bon Jovi his Superman tattoo, Bon Jovi just yelled, security! <laughs> and Slats was asked to leave backstage pretty quickly, but uh, dragged off. He goes, no, no, I just love him. <laughs> Didn't you watch the Ashes series? Of- Funnily enough, they don't like, like cricket as much in the, in, uh, the US. Oh, good it for afternoon sport today make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen big thank you to our sponsors yeah our fantastic sponsors o'brien beer the beer that loves you back and of course our wonderful producer dan McHugh. we are back on board tomorrow with your daily dose of sports we'll see you then guys take care building resilience 
podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app.